All right, turn your Bibles, first of all, to 2 Timothy chapter 4. Of course, whenever we ordain somebody, we always seem to deal with preaching that night somehow, for some reason. I want us to look a little bit tonight at some preachers of old, what they preached. I think you'll find it far different than most of what's going on today. Bible preachers were a lot different than most of what's going on today. Matter of fact, I was thinking just a moment ago, I don't know how in the world the church in Acts at Jerusalem and throughout the book of Acts got so big. They didn't hear one alliterated message. Isn't that amazing? Not one alliterated message, and they grew by the thousands. 3,000 the first day. Then the Lord adding to the church daily such as should be saved. And then adding 5,000 men in another day. Imagine if we had a, let's say we had one of those picnics out here and we had a preaching time and just a great crowd of people showed up and 5,000 got saved. I mean, do you know how shriveled up Brother Smith would be after he baptized all those people? I mean, that'd be something, wouldn't it? be great. And they had all that without an alliterated message. Now, I preach an alliterated message once in a while. I don't do it all the time. Uh, matter of fact, I doubt that I even do it half the time. Uh, it's not that important to me, and it doesn't necessarily mean it's a good message if all the points match. The power of God's not in it. It's really a whole lot of wasted time. That's what it comes down to. But what about these old-time preachers? Well, notice, familiar passage of Scripture. I don't know how many times this has been quoted from this pulpit. But in chapter 4, verse 1, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap unto themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. It's amazing what different people think good preaching is. Now, I would say most everybody here has their idea of what good preaching is, what a good message would be. And people expect a lot of different things when they go to hear preaching. Like for some, if it's too short, they're going to put a a, a recording in their machine so they can hear some more preaching because it wasn't enough, they needed more. There aren't too many people that do that, but some would. Uh, For some, if it's over 35 minutes, it's too long. Boy, they would have had a great deal of trouble with Paul who preached for hours at a time and had a guy fall out of the window, I imagine he would have gotten a lot of complaints from today's crowd. Some would be upset if he was too loud. And to think, they did all that they did without microphones. I don't know where my voice would be at today if I hadn't had a microphone. And some 
Some think, no, a soft message. That's, that's what it needs to be. Something very gentle because all the pictures of Jesus that they've seen that Hollywood's put out, he always talks very soft. And that would be like Jesus. I don't think that's the way he talked most of the time anyway. Some think the message all, messages all ought to be on judgment. Others think that they all ought to be on love. Line upon line preaching is what they want. And other people want entertainment and stories. They want someone to make them laugh. And I'm not against humor. Humor can be just fine. But you know, I don't find any of the preachers in the book of Acts using humor to keep people's attention. Now, it's not forbidden, but I think you have to be careful. If you're coming to church just to be entertained, you might as well go to the nightclub and do that. If you're just wanting to be entertained, if you want the truth of God's word, then you go to a Bible preaching church that's going to give it to you straight. But what is New Testament preaching? Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and verse 18, for the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved, it is the power of God. I actually, a while back, had a family that left us, and their problem was, at least their stated problem was, that I preached the gospel too often. I don't know how you can do that. How can you preach the gospel too often? I want everybody that asks anybody to come to Madison Baptist Church to fill, whether they come on a Wednesday or a Sunday morning or a Sunday night, those people they're bringing are going to hear the gospel. I feel that's absolutely vital. I'm a gospel preacher. And in preaching the gospel, I'm going to preach the book. And I give more than just the gospel, but the gospel is absolutely key. Do you realize that you can preach truths about hell and never preach the gospel? You can preach truths about heaven and never preach the gospel. After all, there are cults that talk about heaven or hell, heaven and hell, and what they talk about is not necessarily wrong, but they never tell people how to honestly and really and biblically get saved. Don't tell them about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ and its necessity. I'm reminded of the scripture saying in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 21, he says that God had chosen by the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. I've made enough mistakes while I've preached in the past and said things that I wasn't even thinking uh, to know that, man, foolishness of preaching. Boy, that's right, but that's what he uses is the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. Because sometimes, well, all of us who speak misspeak from time to time. Sometimes in the heat of the moment we misspeak. That's part of it. If you talk long enough, just read James chapter 3 on the tongue, you're going to say some things you wish you hadn't said. And sometimes while you're thinking ahead and your mouth is on its own, it says things that you never thought about saying. But people have their favorite preachers. They have their favorite styles of preachers. Some especially like preachers who are funny and entertaining, even though we don't find entertainment as one of the preaching purposes. But our best examples always come from Scripture. When it comes to preaching, many of God's preachers were not popular and many of them were not even popular with God's people. You know, it's a sad day when God's people don't like God's preachers and they don't like the message that God gave his preachers 
to deliver. And that always ends up bad for the people who don't like God's message. There are numerous ones that we could look at tonight, but I'm going to limit myself to just a few. And uh, we'll see what they preached. And we're going to get down to the end of this, and it's amazing the correlation that's there. But notice, first of all, Enoch preached judgment to come. Go over to the book of Jude. Jude, verses 14 and 15. Any chapter, it says the same thing. Jude, 14 and 15. The scripture says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. If you're going to be a Bible preacher, you're going to have to preach on judgment. Because judgment is part of the message. The very fact that we are sinners, that we deserve God's judgment in hell for eternity, and that those who die without Jesus Christ go to a sinner's hell where they burn for eternity. Even Enoch, way back the seventh from Adam, preached the message of judgment. Well, what about Noah? Well, for Noah, we could go back to the book of Genesis, but I want you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 2. 2 Peter chapter 2. Noah preached righteousness. You'll notice it says in verse 5, And spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly. So here was Noah, a preacher of righteousness. Here was Enoch, a preacher of judgment. Noah exalted righteousness in the midst of a totally wicked society. We live in a society that murders little babies, called it abortion. We live in a society that has got everybody gambling, as many people as what they can get. Of course, they do that for the children. Amazing how many homes it destroys, how many lives it destroys. We preach against those things. Why? We preach righteousness. There is a holy God. God is a holy God. The Bible says, exalt the Lord our God and worship at his holy hill, for the Lord our God is holy. We are to be preachers of righteousness in this watered down society. We were watching uh, a while back. I had the staff watch the expose that was put on by Discovery Plus concerning the Hillsong churches and what they've done. And one of the things, they got a lot of celebrities to come to those Hillsong churches. And those celebrities, one of the constant things that they would say about the Hillsong churches is we can go there and we're not judged. See, people want to live like they want to live and not be judged. But I got news for you. God does judge. He does judge because he has a standard that is righteousness. Today, if you criticize a transgendered, if you criticize one of these, uh, one of these people that do their cross-dressing and everything else, going into the public schools, our society has become so wicked 
that somehow they think they have a right to go in and hoist their perversion off on the children of America. How wicked can you get? And there are school system, educators, college graduates who agree they think it's okay. Well, God's preachers stand for righteousness. That doesn't make them popular. By the way, Noah preached righteousness. How many did he reach? Just him, his wife, his three sons, and their wives. That's all he reached. You've got church growth people out there that would say Noah was a failure. God doesn't. It's not about how many people you can get into the building. It's about standing true to the righteous, holy God in proclaiming his word and his holiness. Righteousness. Enoch preached judgment to come. Noah preached righteousness. Not only that, Nathan preached against sin. 2 Samuel chapter 12. You might turn over there. 2 Samuel chapter 12. You remember in chapter 11, King David, godly King David. But he messed up. He committed immorality with Bathsheba. When, it's, when God goes to Nathan and tells him what David had done, Nathan, God's preacher, goes in to see David. Nathan, notice in verse 7, and Nathan said to David, Thou art the man. Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, I anointed thee king over Israel, and I delivered thee out of the hand of Saul. And I gave thee thy master's house and thy master's wives into thy bosom and gave thee the house of Israel and of Judah. And if that had been too little, I moreover had given unto thee such and such things. Wherefore hast thou despised the commandment of the Lord to do evil in his sight? Look at verse 10. Now therefore the sword shall never depart from thine house. What was Nathan doing? He was preaching against the king's sin. He preached against sin. We look at these first three things that we mentioned where we find that the preaching was about judgment. It was about righteousness. It was about sin. May I say that the Holy Spirit of God, Jesus said when he has come, he will reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. That's what the Holy Spirit does. He reproves the world of sin and of righteousness, and of judgment. This is a time in America where America needs some God-called preachers, some of God's men to get up and faithfully proclaim God's word and not worried about what their polling numbers are going to be, how popular they're going to be. If the king doesn't like it, tough. We find Nathan standing for God's word. Now, some would say, you shouldn't do that. You're judging David. You're forgetting about how he really feels. He's got all these pressures on him. He has to make a thousand decisions every day. He's king, and boy, it never lets up. And there are people like the Philistines and others that are a constant danger to him. He couldn't help it. Yes, he could help it. And the prophet wouldn't listen to excuses He made it very plain with the story that he tells and then makes it very pointed to David when he says, Thou art the man. So Enoch preached judgment. Noah preached righteousness. Nathan preached against specific sin. What about Elijah and Joshua? 
They preached, let me give you two things here in this one point, both decision and dedication. Trying to get people to make the right decisions for God. In 1 Kings 18, verse 21, it says of Elijah, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if, be, but if Baal be God, follow him. You got to make a decision. You can't straddle the fence. Remember Jesus said in the book of Matthew, he said, no man can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one, despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. But pastor, you're supposed to love us. I do. That's why I preach like I preach. This is what God's preachers preached in the scripture. Joshua declared in Joshua 24 and verse 15, And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods that your father served on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Decision. Dedication. As a matter of fact, as he tried to get the children of Israel to give up their false gods and serve the Lord, they would loudly proclaim, we'll serve the Lord. But they never gave up their false gods. And those false gods became the stumbling block in Judges chapter 2 that lets you know why here they were in the land of promise, but they didn't get the promises because they wouldn't obey God's word. You see, Joshua and Elijah both called the people to decision and dedication. Now, to a bunch of non-committed people who could speak for God... Uh, but we're not fanatics. I mean, they said, yes, the Lord's our God. But they were like the people in Revelation chapter 3 when Jesus said to the church at Laodicea, you're neither hot nor cold. And because you're neither hot nor cold, I will spew you out of my mouth. God wants people, his people, to stand for something. Then there's Micaiah. Micaiah preached death. In 2 Chronicles chapter 18 and verse 27, you remember when Ahab and uh, Jehoshaphat got together. They were going to go out to battle together. And Ahab had his government paid preachers out there who said, go up and you'll prosper. Go up. And they were consistent. All of these preachers. And Jehoshaphat said, isn't there a prophet of the Lord here? Jehoshaphat recognized there, there was not a prophet of God there. Now, the Bible doesn't tell us how he recognized it. And I find fault with Jehoshaphat on that because that should have been a sign to him. I don't need to be here. What am I doing here? I'm not only with a wicked king, but the prophets of God aren't giving their sanction. And then Ahab speaks up. Well, there's this one man, but I hate him. He never says anything good about me. Well, let's hear what he has to say. So they send down, they get Micaiah. Micaiah comes up and Micaiah plays along for a moment or two. Ahab knows he's not telling the real message of God. And he says, all right, here it is. I see Israel coming back without a leader. You're going to die. He preached death. That's what he preached. Everyone else was preaching good to the king. Matter of fact, you know, one of the things that you find out over and over again in looking at God's preachers coming on the scene, that the other preachers all had a different message. 
They all had different messages than God's preacher. They didn't like God's preacher. The fact that Micaiah would be sent back to the prison didn't even bother Jehoshaphat. Doesn't bother the people. We want the popular preachers. That's the ones we want to lift up. What a shame. Shouldn't be like that. Here they are. I mean, these were Israelites too. And yet, Micaiah the preacher, preaching death. Romans 8, or 6.23, for the wages of sin is what? Death. Are you a sinner? Yes. What do you deserve? Death. We're not children of darkness. We're children of the light. Our preaching is to match that. But Ezekiel 18.4 declares, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. How about the message in Galatians chapter 6, verse 7? Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. He that soweth to the flesh, shall of the flesh reap corruption. He that soweth to the spirit, shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. This is a consistent message in the word of God among God's preachers. James 1.15 declares, Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Then we see that John the Baptist preached repentance and a change of life. He preached both. In uh, Matthew 3, 2, the scripture says, In those days came John the Baptist, preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As a matter of fact, turn over to Luke chapter 3. Luke chapter 3 concerning John the Baptist. By the way, notice John the Baptist. I don't read any place where he changed his membership anywhere. Notice verse 8 of Luke chapter 3. Scripture says, bring forth, this is John preaching, bring forth therefore fruits worthy of repentance and begin not to say within yourselves, we have Abraham to our father, for I say unto you, that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid under the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, which bringeth not forth good fruit, is hewn down and cast into the fire. And people ask him, saying, What shall we do then? He answereth and say unto them, He that hath two coats, let him impart to him that hath none. And he that hath meat, let him do likewise. Then came also the publicans to be baptized, and said unto him, Master, what shall we do? And he said unto them, Exact no more than that which is appointed to you. And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. Now wait a second. John the Baptist even believed that if a person truly got right, there'd be something different about their lives. John the Baptist thought that. By the way, if you tell people you're a Christian, most people think you ought to be different than they are. That's a biblical thought. We find John the Baptist preaching repentance and showing it. Showing it by how you live. Showing it by how you talk. Showing it by how you treat others. Man, it's a consistent message. Enoch preaching judgment, Noah preaching righteousness, Nathan preaching specific sin against specific sin, Elijah and Joshua preaching decision and dedication, 
uh, Micaiah preaching death, John the Baptist preaching repentance, and Christ, he must increase, I must decrease. Then you've got Peter and Paul, and they both preached Christ. Turn to Acts chapter 4. Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 11. Notice it says, this is the stone, Acts chapter 4, verse 11. This is, well, I need to read a verse before that. Be it known unto you all, and to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom ye crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him doth the man, this man stand here before you whole. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. He even told these people they were guilty of putting Jesus to death. He preached Christ. Paul preached Christ. Turn over to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Notice verse 5. He went to Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5, when he came down from Athens to Corinth, he, Corinth, he describes his preaching. He says in verse 5 that your face should not stand in the... Uh, let me go to verse 2. Chapter 2, verse 2. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling and my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of power that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men but in the power of God. The Bible says that Paul said, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ, Acts chapter 20 and verses, verse 21. In Acts 16, 31, when he was asked a question by the Philippian jailer, what must I do to be saved? Hear his message. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. They were faithful at preaching Christ. So Enoch preached judgment, Noah preached righteousness, Nathan preached against specific sin, Elijah and Joshua preached decision and dedication, Micaiah preached death, John the Baptist preached repentance in Christ, Peter and Paul preached Christ, and Jesus preached all of these. Think with me now. He preached of judgment to come. Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. Then began he to upbraid the cities wherein most of his mighty works were done because they repented not. Woe unto thee, Corazon. Woe unto thee, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works which had been done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for Tyre and Sidon at the day of judgment than for you. And thou, Capernaum, which art exalted unto heaven, shall be brought down to hell. For if the mighty works which have been done in thee had been done in Sodom, it would have remained until this day. But I say unto you that it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom in the day of judgment than for thee. Jesus preached judgment. Not only that, he preached righteousness. Matthew five twenty. He said, For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. He preached against sin, John chapter 19, verse 11. 
Jesus answered, Thou couldst have no power at all against me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that delivered me unto unto thee hath the greater sin. When the woman was taken in adultery in John chapter 8, and all his, her accusers, you remember, slipped away. He asked her the question, where are thine accusers? She said, no man, Lord. He said, neither do I condemn thee. Go and what? Sin no more. He didn't call it a mistake. He didn't call it stupidity. He called it what it is. He called it sin. According to the law, Jesus could not have her stole, uh, stoned. Couldn't have her stoned because it took two witnesses to stone somebody. And those people that had brought her, you remember she was guilty. They had caught her in the very act. That means they knew who the man was. And according to God's law, both the man and the woman were to be brought. They weren't. Jesus was not compromising against sin. He was obeying God's law. Jesus always fulfilled God's law. You can count on it. He didn't set it aside. He fulfilled it. Not only that, he preached decision. In Luke chapter 18, verses 22 and 23. Now when Jesus heard these things, he said unto him, Yet lackest thou one thing, sell all that thou hast, distribute unto the poor, thou shalt receive treasure in heaven, and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he was very sorrowful, for he was very rich. Jesus didn't say, oh, I'm sorry, let, 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 me, make, let me make this a little less stringent. Jesus didn't apologize, and Jesus even knew before he said what he said that the young man wouldn't do it. He knew the young man's heart. The man went away. He gave it to him straight. He doesn't compromise to get people to to pseudo-follow him. Not only that, he preached death. The story of the rich man and Lazarus is very, very clear in Luke chapter 16. He says, even in John 3, 16, that I preached on this morning, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not what? Perish, but have everlasting life. John 3, 18, he that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten son of God. He preached death. He told the Jews in John chapter 8 and verse 24, Ye shall die in your sins, for except you believe that I am he, ye shall die in your sins. I don't believe he said that with a smile on his face. I don't believe he cracked a joke while he said it. I mean, this is serious stuff. This is heaven and hell. People really die and go to hell and burn for eternity. Not only that, he preached repentance. Matter of fact, twice he says in Luke chapter 13, both in verse 3 and in verse 5, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Again, clear message. And then he also preached himself. He talked about himself. The woman at the well said, I know Messiah cometh, which is called Christ. When he has come, he will tell us, all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto thee am he. He preached himself because he is the Christ. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He preached himself and he said, and if I be lifted up, I will draw all men unto me. So all these things that these other Bible preachers preach, 
Jesus preached all that they preached. See, this is Bible preaching. It may not be popular preaching. It may not be entertainment preaching. But it's truth. And Jesus said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Yeah, their methods were like the New Testament preacher is commanded to be. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. Oh, I've heard it said. Well, I think we need a little less of that and more love. Believe me, this is love. This is love. Well, they sure don't think it is. Yeah, and when my mama said, this is going to hurt me more than it hurts you, I didn't believe her either. But she was right. It did hurt her more. Why? Because she loved me. When my daddy whipped me, it was because he loved me. He didn't like it. He didn't enjoy it. But he loved me. And he said, you do that with all long-suffering and doctrine. We have another one that has surrendered to the ministry. Now he's been ordained to go out and preach the gospel. If you're going to preach like they did in the New Testament, this isn't going to lead you to be very popular, but it will have you right with God and accomplishing what God wants done with his word. Let's pray. Father, we come to you now in the name of the Lord Jesus. It is a great privilege, a great privilege and honor for us as a people to have you send out another from our midst. Now, Lord God, you'll have the timing and all that. You'll take care of that. We don't have any doubt. We thank you for this dear family. And now the tough part starts, as tough as some of those things that have been in his life in the past may have seen. But now it's coming. There'll be calls for compromise. There'll be calls for backing off. But God, help them to stay true to the word of God. Help us as a church to stay true to the word of God. Lord, I went to a Bible college that stood for the word of God. And they started leaving it. It's too hard. They wanted to be softer. They didn't get as many students. And today they're not even in operation anymore. Because they didn't stay true to the word of God. Lord, please help us as a people to stand. Stand for truth, stand for right, to stand against that which our God stands against. If there's one here without Jesus Christ as their Savior, I pray they'd come to Jesus tonight and be saved. I pray for Christians, Lord, that need to get with your program, not my program, but get with your program on standing for truth. It's not just the preacher that's to preach the book. But it should be a people who are living the book. So, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to get in line with your word. Do a great work in our hearts tonight. Save the lost. May God's people get right. Bless in the baptism that's going to take place in a little bit. The other things that we have to do. And, Lord, we'll thank you for it in Jesus' name.